All right. Wherever you may be listening, whatever you may be doing, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Sustaining Artist. I'm Shoni Shikru, and this podcast is brought to you by Locked in the Attic Productions. We are here in North Hollywood today, and I'm joined by Ryan Bloom. Did I say your name right? Bloom. It's Blum. all right. Yeah, nobody, it's like blow with an M. Blow with, okay. Bloom. Bloom. Yep. Um, you ready to do this? I sure am. making me older, and my suits look like they are loners, and I hate the things I do. I'm rude to you The six o'clock call drives me crazy All right, Ryan, so unlike most people that are probably going to be on the show this season, you're actually an L.A. native, born and raised in L.A.? Right. Let me ask you first, I'll start you off with an easy question. Who is your favorite L.A. band ever? I would have to say The Doors. The Doors, right. Absolutely, yeah, I mean... Not Maroon 5. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, generations change, but I think just for that time period, yeah, the doors. Guns N' Roses, um, obviously the Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, there's been some pretty... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you spend much time on the Sunset Strip growing up? Yeah, I did. Which was your favorite venue over there? It was always the Whiskey. Whiskey Go-Go? Yeah. The, but, you know, the Whiskey had always invited us to come play in the bands at the time, but... That was, I was in high school. I think my first whiskey show, I was dropped off by my parents, my dad, at least. Right. You know, because we nice. couldn't drive there, yeah. I just saw the Motley Crue movie on Netflix, and oh, the, a dark. lot of it was in the, the Rainbow Room, too. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's just up the street, up the mm-hmm. block. And then you get the, the Viper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in Ireland, and I moved to New York, and I've, I've lived in a lot of places. London, I've lived in, Sc- in Edinburgh and Scotland. And wherever I seem to go... People always say, oh, it was so much better here 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. Is L.A. the same? Am I, am I after missing the bus? Was L.A. cooler back when you were, like, a teenager? I don't know. I mean, because when I was a teenager, I was still doing things I think kids all around America were doing. Like, we would get older kids to buy us beers, and we'd go sit in some cemetery you know, and right. just like full <laughs> around. Whatever like, you make of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't, there wasn't really like this allure. My mother told me some funny stories, whether they're true or not, they were still interesting, you know, mm-hmm. about really growing up Los Angeles teenager in the 70s. Now, when she talks about that, that's when I'm like, damn, that, right. that would be the time to, mm-hmm. even just to be like a fly on the wall would be so interesting. What, uh, what part of LA did you grow up in? So I was born like, Right here in Glendale, and then I lived up here in like the Northeast Valley for several of years. And upon my parents splitting, uh, I was probably seven years old, and my brother and sister and I we we relo- relocated to Pico and Robertson, which is um, was a w- much different <laughs> culture than what I was used to. But it was great because you got there was so much stimulation happening and you went from zero to 60 overnight, literally. And it wasn't like, there wasn't like a ramping process. So that's where we kind of started there. And so once, did you change schools when, uh, Oh yeah. Went? I've changed schools multiple times. Really? Oh God. Yeah. Which was your favorite school? Never. You I, hated school? I hated school. It, you, you like as an artist, most creative people like, are, are terrible in classrooms. I feel like did you I have was ADD. Terrible. Um, I, I've been tested on, you know, 
on separate occasions, once I was in high school, and I remember I was placed in a program, like a, it was like a 13-hour seemingly day. They have you look at cards and hear sounds and, you know, and you pass it. <laughs> right. You, it's like, come on, like, a monkey could literally do that. <laughs> like, you're insulting my intelligence here. So anyways, the... The evidence has always come back clear of me not right. having ADD. However, yes, it has always been a challenge for me to, I don't know. It's hard for me to do what everybody else seems to do. And that's not like an egotistical sort of disposition. It's like I want to because I would like my life to be easier. But mm-hmm. there was something about, I mean, I dropped out of music college because they wanted all the guitarists to learn the same Jimmy Page solo. And I'm like, dude, I played this 10 years ago. And the guy next to me doesn't know how to play in standard tuning. So when did you uh, get into music? I got into music. I was probably seven years old. Um, I found a guitar, you know, in my father's garage. And I don't know how young girls behave, but a young boy, you're just curious about what's in the closets. and what, <laughs> You know what I mean? For You're just, <laughs> call it boredom, right. you know? So I found a guitar and I'm like, an acoustic? It was an electric. Oh, wow. And I'm like... Did you have something to plug it into? No. You're just jamming on the But I was like, guitar. I love this thing. It was really like... It was like a beacon of mm-hmm. like... It was something un, unreal because at that age, you know what these things are, but you don't know how it works, mm-hmm. you know. But what ended up happening was my father, at the, you know, he... When my parents had split and I would visit him, he had the cable, all the channels in his bedroom. And so I sat one night and I was watching MTV. And this was when MTV was just playing music videos. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of that cool, iconic animation shorts that they had late night. Right. But I remember uh, Green Day had, like, it was the When I Come Around song. It was just like the first guitar power chord chugging. And I'm like, dude, what is that? And then I just see these three punks in Oakland, you know. This is early 90s? Yeah. Messed up teeth. I was like, I want to be the, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't for any other reason besides he looked cool as hell. Which of the three did you want to be? Billy Joel Armstrong. Of course. 100%. Right. You know, but Trey Cool, I wanted to be a drummer to begin yeah, with. Yeah, Trey Cool was He's cool. He's amazing, you yeah. know. And they're all just so phenomenal because they got together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They wouldn't have been able to do that. Just like the Beatles, it was like the perfect 100%. Soup. It doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. Queen, any of the greatest bands that become legacy acts are because of that. You can write great music all day. People you talk could, shit about Ringo, but he was perfect for the Beatles. You couldn't put Keith Moon in the Beatles, No, no, you know? it would ruin it. And so, anyways, yeah, it, Green Day, Finding a Guitar, my dad's, and my dad played. I remember I came and revisited. He had the guitar set up and an amplifier. Nice. Then it was game over. A whole new It experience. was game over. So, you, what was the next step? Did you just get lessons or did you just teach no, yourself? No, I totally taught myself. You um, did? I, yeah, I, I... There was no YouTube back then. How did you do it? So, my father would fool around on the guitar and he okay. played his, you know, simple power chords and, you know, moving up and down the neck. And I'm like, oh, he's changing where he's placing his hand, but his actual fingers aren't moving. Mm-hmm. So, then it dawned on me. It's like, it's it's... It's applicable to any part on the neck, you know? <laughs> right. And so then I, I took what he did, and within three hours, I was already better and faster than he was. Right. You know, because when you're a child, 
you're not just a sponge. You just you have you have a mental tenacity to like you said about interest. If I picked up a saxophone, I was like, I blew on it for thirty minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm never gonna like to do this. <laughs> you know, right. you know. Although I love sax players, but it's like that with music and anything that you're interested. If you're just interested and passionate about it, mm-hmm. you're gonna learn it. So when you that was seven. When did you get into your first band? My first band was probably '97. So you, how old were you in 97? 11 or 12. First band, right? You played out, played shows? We played our first, the first time I ever played <laughs> was, uh, it was the, uh, it was like the middle school talent show. And right. there's a video somewhere on someone's dusty camcorder and I would die to watch it. What songs did you guys play? Definitely nothing even remotely close to, it was our own originals. Oh, you wrote the songs? I always, I never covered a song. <laughs> <laughs> What were the songs about at 12? Dude, there was no lyrics. My parents don't let you watch TV. No, you know, and that's the funny thing is like, I never wanted to be a vocalist, but I always wanted to be. So Mm -hmm. to to dive into that psychology, it's like, I, of course, I I wanted to be the Billy Joel Armstrong, but I didn't live the lifestyle that he seemed to, to seem to understand and cultivate. Right. Whereas like he was a punker. Literally a basket case. Literally a basket case. Mm Mm-hmm. His lyrics were pure of heart, and it was true. Whereas I didn't, at the time, have much to really say. It all came through the guitar. Mm -hmm. So we went up there without a vocalist and just rocked it out. What was the worst experience you've ever had on a stage during a live show? What's gone wrong? Has the light fallen hitting you in the head? Has Man, there really hasn't been a bad and that's mm-hmm. the cool thing. Because right. what ends up happening as a performer, I would imagine, like, with theater actors mm-hmm. and musicians, because you're performing in front of a live audience. So it doesn't matter what that medium is. Right. Um, you kind of go blind. The crowd ceases to exist. Your your adrenaline is through the roof. You can't even, you can't even really feel anything, let mm-hmm. alone you know, understand that what you're doing is is just pure entertainment right. for some. And, and so, you learn from everything, even the even the worst yeah, shows, right? I'll tell you a story. My brother and I, we used to share this studio apartment in Hollywood in like 2010. We'd always play, my band at the time, Chaplin, would always play at this um, venue called Cinespace on Hollywood Boulevard. You could walk there from my apartment. And my brother is nearly four years younger than I am. He would take my fake ID and go out. Right. So I would <laughs> right. play these shows and he would just come in like like he's just one of I mean the guy looked like I mean, he couldn't <laughs> grow a chin hair to save his life. <laughs> he still can, I he don't still think can, Paris, right? right yeah. Exactly. And so Chaplin was a heavy band, really influenced by the late nineties grunge, sort of new metal, Daftones vibe, and we crushed it. We had a great time. Mm-hmm. We had solid fans and um my brother was such a supporter. And he's rocking out in front of the stage, you know, he had longer <laughs> hair at the time. And he looks like 15. Totally. And he right. throws up <laughs> from all what? over the stage. Yeah, most likely. He's not from water, right. you know? Yeah. And so that was probably really embarrassing. So you've been in bands pretty much your whole life then since you were 12. And has this been like plan A is make a living making music? Yeah. which was Your whole life pretty much, yeah. right? And the you, first time you picked up that guitar? That was the seed of my lack of focus and attention. But what it was, what further drilled it was the drama of my family. It didn't force me. I ran to it. Thank God I had a guitar. 
and thank God I was so involved with the with the the idea of songwriting that I've ignored so many people, you know, that could have influenced me differently, like with drugs. You right. know, like mm-hmm. it really was a drug to me. It was a culmination of so many things. But yeah, there was no plan B. What kind of jobs have you done in the last 13 years? Uh, and what are the good ones? What are the bad ones? Like side gigs? Have you worked in bars, restaurants? What's your, uh, yeah, your go to? Um, I was doing anything from delivering pizzas, washing dishes, really walking dogs. Um, right. I was unemployed for a while. I was working at Center Staging, um, uh, a backline company for all the artists. I was, um, an, I was a what's his name, crazy keyboardist that plays um, that played at least. Uh, I would set up the gear for American Idol. Right. They would come and oh, rehearse cool. at our studios. It's insane the amount of work that these guys put in to make sure that the contestants have the best live audio. It's so cool. It was amazing. What's your opinion on that show, American Idol? It's amazing. I really? Think, yeah, really? Yeah. I love it. I think it's amazing. I think there are so many talented people in this world. And it does give people an opportunity to stand in line you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if you're delusional and if you don't have a voice, sweetheart, that's not for me to say. What's the worst job you had? God, you there's were, so many. You were driving for a while, right? I was an Uber driver. It, it was great until it wasn't. Right. Um, How are the people you're dealing with as an Uber driver? For the most part, great. Really? Yeah. For mm-hmm. the mo- I, wasn't, I wasn't a night rider. That's why. So you're dealing with sober people for the most part. Yeah. Sometimes, like, I would pick up, like, a girl, like half clothes, one heel on, gets in the car at, you know, 7 a.m. to go back home. <laughs> right. So it's a drive of shame. Yeah, it's a drive Runs, of shame. Drive of yeah, shame. Dude, you know, drive of shame. Um, but, yeah, it was whatever had to make money. But, yeah, I think um, I think Trader Joe's was probably the worst. What did you do with Trader Joe's? Everything. Stocking shelves? Yeah, but it's not the work that's a problem. It's just like the paramilitaristic Nazism that seems to be going on with their management, dude. Like, if you if you go around people, if you see the workers that just wear T-shirts, give them a high five in your heart. People with the cool floral Trader Joe shirts, they not to be generalizing or anything, but man, the way that they can treat people is just astounding. Wow. So Trader Joe's. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I won't shop at Trader Joe's no, anymore. No, don't. I love <laughs> Trader Joe's. But right. I'm telling you, I left. I actually didn't show up for work once. I just quit. I was on my break. I bought like a, you know, like those fruit leathers. Mm-hmm. I was a kid. I was probably like 18, 19 years old. I never keep my receipts. I kept this receipt. With my discount, it was probably, what, 60 cents? The manager comes up with his aviator glasses. He's like... I'm going to need to see a receipt for that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was dying <laughs> inside. <laughs> did you show it to him or did you just yes. say, go fuck yourself? No, you hey, right. And I, you know, I said that by providing my receipt. You know, as a, like, I've I've been to one of your shows. I've listened to your music. You're a really talented musician. How does how do you handle the ego when you're at a when you're dealing with some asshole at a job you want to quit? You know in your mind that I'm a really talented musician. I should not be fucking doing this. How do you control your ego in those situations? Like driving a driving a shitty passenger in an Uber, you know? Because however talented I may be or whoever, mm-hmm. it is not anybody's problem for where I am in life. Mm-hmm. Period. That is that. It's not their fault, right? It is not their fault. They hired me. That's a good answer. Because 
I needed a job. I need the money. This bitter ass attitude that artists have, this sort of artist temperament. Well, I deserve this. I'm a oh, genius. It, it I'm sure. Drives me. No, I hate <laughs> talking about myself. I really don't like compliments, even though they're so gracious. But I worked my ass off for it. Now it's time to work my ass off to get it out there. My skill is there. I've I've now done that part, and mm-hmm. it's taken a lifetime. But um, yeah, people like that. Oh, yeah, they will never succeed. They mm-hmm. will never succeed if they think that they shouldn't be washing dishes right. or flipping burgers because that's mm-hmm. what I do right now. Right. I did that at until 2 a.m. last night. Power yeah. was out in the dish room, and I'm washing dishes, and I'm thinking to myself, it's almost 2 a.m. It's almost 2 a.m. Not I shouldn't be doing I this. I shouldn't be doing this. Wow. Because that's a great mentality, right? It, you have to have that. Otherwise, you're going to go insane and you're going to be an aggressive individual. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. you, you can't be that. Um, before we get to your new band, Sunny Gummy Hands, let me just ask you one um, more question. What is your favorite rock and roll music industry movie? Oh, dude, such a good question. Almost famous. I was going to say my guilty you pleasure know, like, is almost famous. It's not even a that guilty pleasure. It's bus, a fantastic movie, Johnson. man. You know, mm-hmm. but I got to I mean, my hat goes off to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I just it was great. Yeah. I just I love Freddie Mercury and mm-hmm. all of those guys. I I think Freddie Mercury was such an asshole. But he came back. It's such an emotional thing because you only hope that people can find that. Like you were talking about ego. He was so swallowed up by it. And he realized that this is all wrong. And it's all because of me. And he had the power to fix it. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the band, you know, mm-hmm. was like, let's do this. And then he, you know, I think he died in 1991. Somewhere around then, yeah. What um, Have you seen Elton John's new movie, Rocket No, Man? I hear it's, it has better ratings, but nobody watched it. <laughs> right, yeah, I saw it. I liked it. But what I didn't know, I mean, I like Elton John's music. I didn't I know much Elton about John, the guy. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize, people might laugh at me for saying this, I didn't realize that he didn't write the lyrics of his songs. He actually has worked with the same writer since the 70s or, what, or whenever he started out. Totally. Which I didn't know. So which is your favorite part of the process, the lyrics or making the music? Making the music is always the easiest. And I say that when I use the term easiest, it's not easy by any means to push something out. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of like the type of guy where it's like, you know, I go through creative constipation, man. I mean, everybody does. Mm-hmm. And you you should take breaks and you should go on a hike or, you know, go visit old friends. Like, go get stimulated in other avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, lyrics are tough for me because... I am someone that has so much to say, and I even ho- I know right now I'm still holding back my punches, mm-hmm. um, because once you write something, it's permanent; it mm-hmm. never goes away. And the truth hurts. And I'm a man who speaks truth from my window, you know. And so it's it's something that I'm learning to do and manage differently every day. Which mindset is the most creative mindset for you to be in? Is it I'm angry? Is it I'm sad? Is it I'm indifferent? Where, where, where do you like to be mentally to write a song? I'm usually melancholy when I feel like a lot of my better work comes out. However, being goofy, is um, that's where I can get fun with my bass grooves. It's just, uh, yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question because we're, we're all humans and however we mm-hmm. want to disagree, it's like we're emotional skin bags, you right. know, like, yeah. that just need... It's true. That need to release. People go to the gym. People, you know, drink, and some people write music. You know, and right. it, the list goes on. And so, yeah, I, 
I would say generally my attitude, I go up and down. I don't think I'm bipolar. I would never, you know, I don't ever want to um, offend someone who's, you know, been clinically diagnosed as bipolar. However, yeah, man, I, I'll be I'll be great one second and then, you know, dust can roll on my shoulder and then I can feel it and it, it can kind of tip the scale a little bit. You know, there really mm -hmm. is, I'm always writing music. How I'm feeling seems to be secondary, if that makes sense. That's good, yeah. I For me as a writer, if I'm stuck in the resentment, if I'm thinking about how much I detest someone or something, I can't write for, 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 for anything. But um, as long as I'm not boiling with, like hate I, i'm personally a lot better off yeah if hate I can just does be not present. have any room in anybody's heart dude who uh what musician is living the life has lived the life you want um i really look up to my brother you know your younger brother yeah so my younger brother bastard he beat me to it he popped early right yeah he yeah. popped early and i'm so happy for him um and it was good for him because and for me i am such a rocker hands-on, analog, guitar, mm -hmm. you're strumming. And he he's such a practical-minded person. So mm -hmm. he, he, he learned how to produce far earlier than I did, not just do that, but also make it sound good. I, would, um, I remember I was helping him with um, like music theory and mm -hmm. would write out you know, some progressions for him. And he just took these general notes and went flying with it. Um, but, you know, he lives... A very modest lifestyle all the while doing what he loves like mm -hmm. dude if i could just have enough money to to do everything that i need to do and need is just food blah 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 you know get you going around your adb your modest spending and then put in a little savings god that's mm -hmm. great just you make know. a living Doing what you love doing. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think this is just an opinion. I don't know if this is true. But it does seem that you're kind of in limbo. You're either not making money or you're making money. It's just something that I would like to feel one day, but it's not necessary. Right. I made it work this far. And I don't know if I necessarily want to put that pressure on my work. What, it, you know, becomes sensational, you know, and what? And then I have to come back with even more. And then, well, a lot of bands, they put out a great album and then the second one sucks. It happens so often. Oh, it's been happening since the 60s. Right, because they yes. they get picked up and then they get pressured to put that second album out and it sucks. It's yes. just like... England went through that. And, and I use them as a example because England was so ahead of the sound. I, all my favorite bands are British. You know, Who's your favorite band? Radiohead, for right. sure. Speaking of Radiohead, your new EP, let's talk about Sunny Gummy Hands. Your new EP can drop, what, like six months ago? We released it October. Oh, almost, almost a, a year, year ago. ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, let's take a listen. This is Gum on Your Shoe. That sounds great. I've actually used it in a film. Um, <laughs> and thank you for letting me. No, thank you for uh, having I love it. the song. I love the whole EP. Um, we'll close out the show with another one of the songs from that EP. Um, what was the inspiration behind that song? That is kind of like that idea of you being owed something. And, you know, again, you don't have to be an artist. You can be someone who just thinks that you're better than the job that you're doing or you're not somewhere else in your life. And you're putting that regret onto other people. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not right. 
you right. know, and and it is a such a big, fat, bitter pill, right? <laughs> to try and swallow for some people, <laughs> it is, you yeah. know. But it doesn't have to be, you know. It really doesn't have to be. But people are scared and people are frustrated, and I totally get that way sometimes. Now you wrote the song. I wrote the song. The lyrics, music, yes, right. And then when did you start the actual band? Had you wrote the song before you found the band, or did you? Was yes. that collective? I was in a I was in a another limbo period, right? Where half of the members of a band that I tried to to set up pre-Sunday Gummy Hands. This must have been 2016, I would say, 2016, late 2015. It wasn't working out. We had a singer at that point. He left. The drummer, you know, he, you know, he told me, he was like, you should just sing. That's when I took it serious. Um, there was a relationship uh, situation happening uh, with me and my lover, and... She she had to leave for, you know, quite a while. And the song kind of came out of thin air. Just like not the same in author, author. Those songs, like, couldn't have flowed out even more. I could have written them in my sleep mm -hmm. in the sense of the natural feeling that came out. There was really not a lot of thought to it. Um, just because of, you can't, I don't want to stop that energy for the sake of just trying to think of something different. But to answer your question about this, what Sunny Gummy Hands is about, it's uh, you got the sun in your hand, you got gum on your shoe, nothing can see you now. That is the chorus part. And, mm -hmm. you know, the sun in your hand is like, you want to attract, you know, because the sun is the center of the universe. And you're trying to be that. But you can't even enjoy it because you're so blinded by your own self-worth that, you know... You're stepping all in gum, and you you know nobody can even see you. It's like you are, you you you're, you know like I don't even have the right, right. <laughs> term to, because it gets me angry in a good way. Where it's like it frustrates me that it is a simple property that that if you could just sort of let that flow. Why why is everyone trying to carry their shit around? Just don't drop everything. You know your past is important. It it, it is who you are. Mm -hmm. But leave some of that shit behind, <laughs> you know. Like, mm -hmm. how did you find the bandmates? Is three other people in the band? Yeah, the four you guys. Um, did you know them before? Uh, the band, yeah. I, I've known Addison for so many years. Um, probably known him since what 2012. He's a great friend of mine. Anthony is a great friend as well. He, um, him, and I were introduced by a lot of mutual friends. And uh, Garrett, he is our drummer. And he's amazing. Um, and him and I actually played a show together. Uh, it was a f quick hire, one you know, one night hire thing. Mm -hmm. And I've always enjoyed what, uh, the work that Garrett has done. So um, I try to just keep in contact with him over the years. But he's always been doing things, or you know, right? Not really interested in what was happening with me, which is totally fair. Mm -hmm. Then I finally hit him with some material. Like I assaulted his inbox. I was like, dude, I'm just gonna keep sending you stuff until right. you agree to play. <laughs> And then finally, he's like, all right, let's do this. Nice. So, you know, again, it's that tenacity. Did they play on the EP? They played on this next EP. Oh, so However, the Garrett, Garrett did perform drums on Not the Same, Author, Author, and Got it. Go, go on Your Shoe. And when's the next EP dropping? Like maybe mid-September. Right. Okay. Oh, that's soon. Yeah, I would think so. Three more songs? Four. Four. Yeah. So you're up to seven. And I'm working on an EP three now. Oh, that's great. Yes. I can't wait to listen to yeah. that. So let me just take advantage of the fact that you're from L.A. again. So 
I had last week I had a guy called Sean on the show that, that moved down here. I think he said he had like five grand in the bank. If someone's moving out here, say you're moving out from the East Coast, they've got about five grand in the bank. Where should they live? First of all, I want to ask this one question. Why? Why do you move to L.A.? I mean, the Black Keys were discovered out of Ohio. Unless you are an actor or a model, filmmaker. You don't could, think it's a necessary... God, no. You have the internet. You could take that five grand and you can push out an incredible EP that you recorded in your bedroom. You can spend that five grand, get written up. You can get on all the blog space. You know, you can... The internet's changed that game. The internet has changed. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, money, money helps that process. I hate this term because I think people can take it wrong, but it's about popularity. And, Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have to become popular to pay the bills. Now, but there's nothing wrong about being supported because I feel like people who enjoy the work of whoever it is that they're being entertained by and the entertainer themselves, I mean, they go hand in hand. It's like, it's, it's like a, a balloon and helium. Like, mm-hmm. it only works if both are involved. Coming to L.A. and trying to make a $2,100 rent payment mm-hmm. or even a $1,000 rent payment and you're trying to find work, well, good, like, everyone's trying to find work. You're going to probably get three shifts You know, you're probably, you know, you're not getting tipped out the way you thought you would back at home because everybody knew you at the bar. So now you're, you're, you're living in a, a, an environment that is completely foreign. Come and visit. So, you know, Ryan Bloom's advice is stay the fuck out of (laughs) here. I don't mean it like that. You know, if you need a change, then do it. Um, but it's a tough town, man, but don't take my word for it. I'm from here. I'm tired of the sun. I am so tired of the sun. Can you ever see yourself leaving LA? 100%. 100%. To go where? I, I'm thinking I'm thinking the Pacific Northwest would be cool. Seattle? I don't know that far. We'll see. Oregon? Potentially. We'll see. Wherever you go, when you get there, they're going to tell you it was cooler 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Our audience can listen to the music. Yes. Sunny Gummy Hands? Yeah, Sunny Gummy Hands. Uh, sunny Gummy Hands. Sunny Gummy Hands but, is a tongue twister. And you guys have a website, sunnygummyhands.com? Yeah, sunnygummyhands.com. And you guys are going to have some upcoming shows, so our audience can keep an eye yeah. on it. Well, right. thank you so much for coming on the show. It's yeah, been a blast talking to you. Yeah. And I'm sure I can speak for everyone that we all wish you the best, so thank you. Thank you, my brother. That was The Sustaining Artist. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, leave us a review, and tune in next week. Thank you to Pat Shearer in our studio in New York and Daniel Erickson for capturing sound. See you guys next week. Oh
Choose